Tuesday, April 10th. Al Melky, you are back for the first time this week. First of four straight days. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to start a new Iron Man streak here. Yeah. Yes, sir. And Scott White is here. Scott, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm it, fine. Yeah, it's uh, 9 o'clock in the morning. And what are you going to be doing at 5 o'clock tonight? Make sure you check out Fantasy Baseball 360. Uh, 5 o'clock Eastern on CBSSports.com, our live video show. Al, Scott, Nando, and George Sedano. Great stuff for you. More of the type of information and entertainment you expect now from CBSSports.com. Today we are recapping Monday. We are looking at the most added and most dropped players and taking your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. Let me tell you first about Touchback, starring Kurt Russell and Brian Presley. It's a great movie you're going to want to see with your family, and it also has some great football action. Brian Presley plays a former high school football star who gets to revisit that critical moment in the state championship game. He can either let his fate unfold or follow a path that will change his future. Touchback opens this weekend in theaters April 13th. Check it out. All right, guys, we've got three up, three down, the rotation, some injuries, more from around baseball, and most out of most drop. Did you watch you Darvish last night? I did not, no. So, But it sounds like if I tuned in in the second inning, I was going to see a very, very different game and a different performance than I would have seen if I had tuned in at the beginning. But I didn't see yeah. any of it. Did you see it? I didn't, no. Well, I, was I stepped up <laughs> and I watched it. Yeah? Yeah, I did. Um, most of his first two or three innings, I'd say. Very underwhelming. So, well, so even after the first inning? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I think probably got saved by the fact that they were playing the Mariners. Um, I, I did not see the stretch where he retired 10 in a row. So it's possible that fourth, fifth inning, he got even better. Well, what I read about that was even during that stretch, he was falling behind hitters. And, and one of the things Danny Nobler, baseball writer for the site, said on the Fantasy Baseball 360 show yesterday was that if he's – uh, nervous about throwing it down the middle to these major league hitters and mm-hmm. starts nibbling, he's going to get in the same kind of trouble Dice Gate Mat- Matsuzaka got into. And so, th- I mean, that's a little concerning since it seems like all the way through that's the way that first start went. Yeah, and I think there there probably were some nerves in the first inning when you saw that wild pitch that he uncorked that did not lead to a run because it hit the backstop pretty, you know, pretty hard and came right back to the catcher. Napoli, I believe it was last night. But, yeah, we'll talk about him when we get to the rotation. But 42 pitches in the first inning. And not a great start for you, Darvish, but we won't panic. Three up. This is the replacements edition. (laughs) Guys who are filling in for for injured players. Kirk Neuenheis, outfielder for the Mets. He homered. He was called up when Torres went on the DL. Al, do we care about Neuenheis? Uh, not too much. And it's mostly a playing time issue for him because I think he's just going to wind up splitting time with Scott Hairston. Uh, if he were to get uh, regular play, work his way into a, a steadier situation, I think he'd be a really solid guy in NL only leagues. Uh, and as it is, he's still got some value in the, the deeper versions of those leagues. How about those Mets? 4-0. Bullpen's playing well, pitching well. Yeah, pitching, good pitching. Uh, the Astros shortstop Marwin Gonzalez went three (laughs) for four. Scored three (laughs) runs against the Braves. He's replacing Jed Lowry. You probably did see this, Scott. Yeah, I did see him double off the wall. Boy, I I mean, this is we're we're getting really deep here with Marwin (laughs) Gonzalez because he's a low-end fill-in for a guy in Jed Lowry who isn't necessarily must-have in mixed leagues himself. Um, and I expect Lowry to be back before the end of the week, so I don't care about Marwin Gonzalez. I, I care a little bit for two reasons. One, because he is backing up Lowry, and Lowry just 
can't seem to stay healthy. And I know Lowry will be back soon, but um, whoever is his backup, you know, always seems to have a chance. And then Gonzalez is a Rule Five guy, so he's probably going to be up for the whole season. So mm-hmm. there's some, there is some NL only potential there. Kyle Seager is owned in 19% of leagues. I'm starting to get very intrigued by Kyle Seager. Is he making a case to get more playing time when Mike Carp is healthy? He drove in three more runs yesterday. Scott? I mean, there's a case, but the problem for him is Sean Figgins is off to a good start. Now, I don't necessarily buy it because Figgins declined the last two years. He's 34. Um, But then the other issue working against Seager even if he's able to overcome Figgins, is that uh, as a left-handed batter, there's a good chance he's going to end up sitting against most left-handed pitchers, uh, particularly with Alex Liddy there. So uh, I'm still seeing him as more of an AL-only guy right now, though with full-time at-bats, he could have some mixed league appeal. Three down, three players trending down, and I'll give Scott the first word here on Lorenzo Cain because you wrote about spring training stats in your latest column. Kane's owned in 75% of leagues. He's hitting 071 after an 0 for 3 night. What do you think? Is it, can you drop him? Can you justify that right now? I think it's it's justifiable if there's somebody else out there you really like who has gotten off to a hot start because I, I think the natural reaction of most fantasy owners is a 1 for 11 guy who has proven nothing in the major leagues they're not gonna. They're not gonna rush to pick him up off the waiver wire. Now, obviously, it has to be a shallow enough league where you can, uh, where that would happen. But in, I'm thinking in standard 10 to 12 team mixed leagues, if you dropped him, he would probably sit there until he had a good game. Now, him having a good game, I mean, it could happen tomorrow. This could all be a moot point. And I still think he's probably going to have a solid season, be a mixed league viable guy. But um, so. Uh, if there wasn't anything that interesting out there, I would prefer to hang on to him, but I don't think it's unthinkable to drop Kane. What are your thoughts on him, Al? Uh, I think, you know, 10-team league, I think Scott's suggestion works really well um, because he's sort of at that level in that format anyway where he could be replaced. But in a 12-teamer, there's no way I would let go of Kane at this point. Fair enough. Would you rather have him or Alejandro de Aza? I'd rather have Kane. It's not a big difference, but I'd, I'd rather have Kane. Yeah, they're very close. I'll stick with Kane for now also. Three down number two is Vernon Wells. He'll probably be on this list more often this year. Vernon Wells did not start Monday. Peter Borges replaced him in left field. I'm a little surprised to see Wells owned in 70% of leagues, and Mike Sosha already concerned that he's pressing to make up for his horrible 2011. I was Same as you, when I saw that ownership number, I said, oh, you know, that's a lot of people I feel really bad for right now, 70%. Uh, and I, I wouldn't have drafted him in an ale-only league this year. Not that he doesn't have value in that league, but I'll let somebody else have that, that value. Um, and I'm sort of surprised this wasn't more of a preseason storyline because the Angels did have that crowded outfield situation and Wells was just miserable last year. So the, the focus is more on Bobby Abreu, uh, but I think Abreu could have a better season than Wells. Yeah, and this isn't the first time Wells sat out, actually, because of that crowded outfield. And uh, it, it might even get more crowded if Mark Trumbo continues to show he's not going to be able to play third base. Uh, he's played some outfield before. You know, in, in the new the new version of the hitting planner, which is called Hit Parade now, I at every position I divide every fantasy relevant player into I, I put them all in different categories. The category I put Vernon Wells in each of the first two weeks is strictly an AL and only option. I, I don't 
with, with the low batting average last year, with the crowded outfield, I, I don't see the need to start him or, you know, I'm with you on the ownership percentage. Why, why even own him in mixed leagues? Sergio Santos is three down, number three. He got booed off the mound. I, I flipped through a lot of games yesterday, and I did catch his implosion, a lot of it, in the ninth inning. Uh, he let a run score on a wild pitch. He gave up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. He was terrible, and that's his second blown save, Al. So are you worried about uh, Sergio Santos for Toronto? All right, well, first of all, I take this very personally because he blew the save for Henderson Alvarez. He did, he did. <laughs> Nobody does that, all right? But uh, you know, back to Santos, um, I'm a little bit worried, but not, you know, certainly not worried enough to make a roster move based on this so far. I mean, he's going to be wild in stretches. I don't think he's quite Carlos Marmol wild, but I think there's similar tendencies there in terms of the great upside with strikeouts. And, and the high risk with, with walks and wild pitches. So it's something to watch, but I, I would not bench him yet. I'm going to throw a name at you, John Axford. And I'm not <laughs> talking about John Axford this year, which is a whole different matter. I'm talking about John Axford at the beginning yeah. of last year. He was the closer everyone was panicking about. Oh, not quite proven yet. Got off to a terrible start, and he ended up being a top two or three closer, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worrying that much about Santos Santos either. Fair enough. Rotation time. But you know, it is kind of shocking how bad a lot of the closers have been. Cuz <laughs> even Axbird um last night he he barely got out of that one against well, the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, look at Alfredo Aceves. I was just saying on the podcast yesterday, I don't know that we're going to see his, <laughs> another yeah. save situation for him. He he throws a perfect inning, gets his first save and you and know. he looked good. Yeah, too. I mean, he, he might good. be absolutely and, fine. So <laughs> I think that was the most common Twitter question over the weekend that I saw was, you know, what do I do with the Sevis? Do I dump him? And and right now I'm really glad that I advise people give him another chance because I do think he's capable of, of a lot of outings like he had yesterday. Now it's time for the rotation. Have you changed your mind at all about you, Darvish, after yesterday? No, I mean, I, I'm still... I think you still need to see more. I'm, if I own him, I'm still treating him as one of my top three or four options and, and pretty much starting him every time out. Uh, but the the wildness when he doesn't need to be wild, like that's that's not really part of his arsenal. It just seems to be a, a mental thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, look, he buddy. He needs to get over that. If you can't throw strikes against Seattle, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have trouble. Um, but all right, we'll 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 wait and see with Darvish. Jake Westbrook, Al, he struck out two in seven scoreless innings for the Cardinals against the Reds. It's a topsy-turvy world for uh, the Cardinals right now. you got Kyle Loesch and Westbrook and, and Lance Lynn, who I, I like a lot anyway. But all three uh, really great the first time out. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is probably one of the better starts you'll see from Jake Westbrook. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe he has some potential down the line as a two-start guy, but really has to be great matchups. Who do you like better, Westbrook or the third guy in the rotation, Barry Zito? Four-hit shutout in Colorado. I think that was his first shutout in nine years. Wow. Four strikeouts for Mr. Zito, and he's only at 8% of leagues. Yeah, this isn't, it wasn't really as shocking to me as it might have been for some folks, but I, that said, I like Westbrook better than Zito. But, but Zito, he's had his moments over the last few years. Not so many last year, but two, three years ago, he had stretches where he was, was pretty good. So, uh, you know, I think if Zito is healthy, um, you know, he's, he's capable of this once in a while. Yeah, it's, Zito, it's, it's tough to know what to make of him because apparently he made a mechanical adjustment right at the end of spring training, you know, standing taller on the mound. 
yeah, I don't know how much of a difference it makes if it's if it's really <laughs> if it's really the explanation for why he performed so well. I read he was also leading with his curveball as opposed to his fastball, which seems to me like a, a gimmicky thing that the results wouldn't be sustainable because of that. Uh, ultimately, I'm not making much of it because he was topping out at 84 miles per hour, and okay. that's Jamie Moyer type <laughs> stuff. And uh, there, there's only one Jamie Moyer, <laughs> so I, I'm not going to say I, I can't predict Zito is going to be the next one. Ivan Nova's fourth in the rotation. Interesting start: two runs in seven innings, pretty good, but ten hits. However, no walks, seven strikeouts. What do you make of that start for Ivan Nova? Yeah, not really a typical start for him. Uh, you know, more hits and, and more strikeouts than I think you'll see uh, in the usual start. But I liked him as a two-start guy this week, and he delivered some pretty good results. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that even the way he did it is a little different, but I think the overall result is not going to be unusual for him. I and mean, he's just reliable, and I, I think that's why ultimately he's going to be in that rotation the rest of the year, regardless of what happens to Pineda or Hughes or Garcia or whoever else. Uh, you know, he doesn't blow you away, but he 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 never seems to bury you either. And that's exactly the kind of pitcher the Yankees need. So you're not buying the seven strikeouts in seven innings? I mean, he'll, He's not gonna he'll, he'll be that, a strikeout per inning some pitcher some starts, but over the course of the season, that's not what he's going to be now. It is worth mentioning they win almost every time he pitches. So he's going to be good for wins. I, they have a stacked offense as long as he goes seven innings. Um, and, and like I said... It, is doesn't bury them then yeah that's exactly what's going to happen fifth in the rotation is tommy malone eight shutout innings against the royals for oakland he allowed three hits walk three no strikeouts so how do you react when you see a line like that malone is owned in 22 percent of leagues again eight scoreless innings but he did not strike one batter out well, you have to li- love the overall result, but um, the zero strikeouts is a little bit concerning because this is a guy who doesn't have, you know, terrific stuff. I mean, you know, sort of in the Zito category in terms of, you know, how hard he throws. But um, he got a lot of strikeouts as a minor leaguer, and that was always something that was a little bit puzzling. So it hasn't really translated to the major leagues uh, either, you know, last year in his brief time up or, or in his first start this year. So Malone could be... Um, a guy that, that certainly has value uh, because he gets good results, but um, he's going to have limited ceiling because of the lack of strikeouts. All right, ready? Let's compare. Malone or Jake Arrieta? Well, they're, they're both in the same category for me. Uh, fringe, fringe, mixed league guys. I'll go Arietta just because I think uh, I like the K potential a little more. Agreed. Malone or Brian Mattis, who struggled yesterday? I'm still taking Mattis. I'm not giving up on him after one start. I Now in the – it's no longer the pitching planner. It's shuffling the rotations uh, for week two. I included Malone in the top 70, did not include Mattis, but that was strictly a matchups issue. Overall, I'm with Scott. I prefer Mattis. Malone or Dubrant, who I now regret saying he's going to get his teeth kicked in <laughs> by the Blue Jays because <laughs> yeah. he didn't. You know, I did actually see a little of that game. He was throwing 93, which for a left-hander is is pretty darn good. Uh, I was, I still uh, I'm still not high on him because there's the minor league track record isn't all that impressive. But I could see him becoming a relevant mixed league options. That being said, he's not there yet. Um, I I would rank him, I think, just a shade behind Malone. Uh, I put him a shade ahead of Malone. But they're fairly similar. Very comparable, yeah. 
And he still has his teeth, so that's good news. <laughs> Not a lot in the injuries news and notes department here. Drew Storen's on the DL with a bad elbow, and he had a setback. How bad? Do we know? Well, all right, two words that's going to strike fear into people's hearts. Oh, boy. Dr. Andrews. Oh, really? <laughs> Dr. Doom. But um, the thought is that he may have bone chips, which uh, certainly is not the worst news you could have. So, But he's, he's going to be out for a while. Um, Storen's going to be out for a while, so it's good times for Brad Lidge. Nationals infield prospect Anthony Rendon badly sprained his left ankle. And I know people want more prospect news. You can get it in, in some of our written content, but also, well, today's Tuesday, so we have to make the decision. It's either going to be every Wednesday or every Thursday we're going to do a prospect segment, keep you up to date on what's going on in the minors. We'll have more on that either t- tomorrow or Thursday. Brandon Phillips will likely miss Tuesday's game with a leg injury. It doesn't seem like a big deal. How about Giancarlo Stanton's knee injury? Is that serious, Al? Does not appear to be, not by any reports that I've seen so far. And Ryan Vogelsong is on the DL. He is expected to start Sunday. And we love to talk about baseball, not just fantasy baseball. Al and I kind of talked before the show. We're going to stay away from the Ozzie Guillen stuff, at least until he speaks to the media today. I think it's only fair to give him his opportunity to, to clear things up. But it's interesting from, from our perspective because we're here in South Florida. Hopefully we can give you some type of a unique perspective on it. But um, we'll wait until... Ozzy has his chance to speak. All right. Works for me. <laughs> it works. Scott's like, I roll. <laughs> okay, uh, some more news from around baseball, and then we'll get into the most added and most dropped, and then your emails. Two home runs for Omar Infante. That's three this season. Will he hit 40 home runs this year? <laughs> uh, no, and I'd be willing to bet just about anything on it. Uh, but he has... Even a couple years ago, that, that, that year he made the all-star team for the Braves, he wasn't completely powerless. And I don't mean he's going to hit 15, 20, 15 to 20 home runs or anything like that, but you know how early in his career, Placido Polanco would hit double-digit home runs, and that was enough to make him a pretty good mixed-league option. I, I think... I think Infante, that could happen for Infante, particularly since he has such a nice head start here. Well, I, I remember talking about this last year because it, it stunned me. But looking back in, in Infante's history, he had a, and I, I'm, this is off the top of my head, I think it was a 16-homer yeah. season early in his career with the Tigers. And then he fouled that up with the season where he played about 50% of the time and still got, I, I want to say, like nine homers. So the, the power was there. Now, this is seven, eight years ago. Interesting thing, again, extremely small sample, but he's hitting fly balls on more than half of his uh, hit balls so far this year. Maybe there's been a change of approach because those are numbers, those are ratios he hasn't put up since 2004-2005. The reason you don't remember it is because that was back when hitting 16 homers uh, right, was, meant nothing. <laughs> that was the drop of the hat. So yeah. we already had one wager that Scott missed out. I'll let you get in on it, Scott. Oh, dear. It was Brett Gardner hitting below or hitting 300 take the over under for the season yeah brett Lowry? no brett gardner oh brett gardner yeah i'm i'm taking the under all right, i think we all took the under except for nando right right now i'll, I'll make another one here omar infante home home runs home runs <laughs> in his home ballpark <laughs> i will go with Three. Well, he has he has one. One. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to hit more than two more all year <laughs> at home. Yeah. Well, actually, the number I had in my mind was two, but I forgot that one of those did come at home. So did it? 
Yeah. Uh, no, I think no, it was, no, no, it was because Cincinnati. they've only played one home game, right? Right. So uh, I think they're all, they're all the road. Right. So I'm going to stick with two. So I'm, two I'm, all year? Yeah. Okay, I'll take, <laughs> take three all year. Uh, oh, three sounds really high right now. Al says two. Scott, how oh many home God. runs will Omar Infante hit at Marlins Park? I want to go three, but you going to let me go three? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I'll go three. Is it Marlins Park? You, get you, right? For now. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Juan Pierre started in the outfield for the Phillies. John Mayberry was at first base. You guys make anything of that alignment? It seems like we're going to see that, uh, you know, probably not every day, but see it often uh, this year. So. Yeah, I think it looks like Pierre's going to at least start against the righties. And that, depending on how often he runs, could make him uh, uh, useful in mixed rotisserie leagues. Cleveland second baseman Jason Kipnis is batting 118. He's owned in 81% of leagues. He has a home run this year. Is he droppable? Is he over-owned? You guys argued about him before the season started. And I do think he's over-owned, and I do think in 10 and 12 uh, mixed league, mixed league, t- team mixed leagues, I think you got me right. Uh, he's droppable in those formats. Yeah, I'm going to make the same argument for him that I, I, I made for Lorenzo Kane, which I'm not down on him because of this slow start, but I think in those shallower leagues, this slow start affords you the opportunity of dropping him. Uh, Kipnis, though, is still somebody who I think is going to be mixed league relevant when all is said and done. Kipnis or Infante? I would still rather have Kipnis. Kipnis. Yadier Molina hit his second home run of the season. He's batting three seventy five. Could this be a breakout year at the plate? The only reason I would say maybe not is because I think last year was a little bit of a breakout for Yadier Molina with the power. But I think at worst, he will maintain what he started last year. I, th- I think the power for him is legit. Bad start for Homer Bailey. 39% ownership. How concerned are you? He gave up four runs in five and two-thirds for the Reds against the Cardinals. I'm not sold on Homer Bailey. I've bought into him as a sleeper in the past, but there all, there seems to be inconsistency there, and he gets hurt a lot. It, really, curveball specialists in general seem to have a lot of inconsistency, um, and, and he falls into that same category as guys like uh, Rich Hill is, is the first example that comes to mind, but Gavin Floyd would be in there also. Um, that... He's since he's not established, he can't really get away with that. And because Aroldis Chapman is still hanging out there in the bullpen, and the Reds still want him in the rotation, eventually, I, I would be concerned about owning Bailey in a mixed league. Mo, oh no, one more guy before most added, most dropped. I wish Nando were here because Nando likes Hector Noesi. Texas likes him a lot too because they lit him up for seven earned runs in three innings. Noesi's only owned in seventeen percent of leagues. Can we give him a pass since he was playing Texas? A little bit, a little bit. But uh, that ownership rate, 17%, maybe slightly low, but not too low. Would you drop him for Barry Zito, Hector Noesi? Uh, well, let's see, because now we're talking mixed leagues. In a very deep mixed league where either guy would be relevant, yeah, I would. Scott? <laughs> I would rather have Noesi. I, I think there is upside there. Most added, most dropped. Number two on the most added list is Alfredo Aceves. He's up to 63% ownership. He's behind number one, Hector Santiago. And he really did look good on Monday getting that save against the Blue Jays. But we talked about him already. Aceves or Brad Lidge? 
Uh, Aceves because he'll have a job longer, I think. I mean, it remains to be seen how long uh, Storin will be out. But uh, Yeah, I mean, there's potential Storin could miss the whole season, in which case I'd absolutely go Lidge. Um, I guess for now, I think, yeah. As particularly since Henry Rodriguez is hanging out there with Lidge in Washington, I, I think I'll lean Aceves. It's amazing how things have changed for Aceves in one day. <laughs> But, you know, that's that's the way baseball works. Number five on the list is Kyle Loesch, another guy we talked about. Is he over-owned? He's owned at 69% of leagues. Yes, he is a little bit over-owned. I think that should be more around 55 60%. Would you rather have him or Samarja? Samarja. I think uh, he's the... He's the pitcher whose first start impressed me the most, mostly because he went so deep into the game, and I didn't expect him to do that as a guy who's been almost exclusively a reliever so far. Uh, the stuff is good. I think uh, I think he could be this year's version of Alexi Ogando. So I, I would, if I had room for him, I would absolutely pick him up. You know, the more often you support Samarja, the more often I have to put him in the notes and the more often I have to spell Samarja, which I haven't quite mastered yet. Oh, you got it right here. I did, but I didn't get it right the first time. I had to check but you, it. You've yeah. got it here, so now it's just to you know, <laughs> Control-C, Control-V, you're, yeah. you're good to go. And what's interesting is I was noticing you got Newenhouse wrong, which you know, I it, did? is understandable. Except it's Newenhouse. Yeah, well, I pronounce it wrong. That's that, that's the way we work here. <laughs> I get true. the spelling, you get the pronunciation. <laughs> Um, and then I saw something else too, but you did get, you did get, uh, now I lost Samarja, Samarja, right? Yeah. I also got Sean Figgins, not Chone Figgins, right? He's sixth on the most added list. Again, I wish Nando were here. He's eligible at third base right now, but he could gain outfield eligibility soon. And he's owning 41% of leagues. How about this? Would you rather have Figgins or Kyle Seager? You know, I mean, really I'd rather have Seager, but, um, I, I, I guess avoid both of them outside of deeper leagues because I worry about the playing time for Seager, even though I love the skill set. And with Figgins, it's just the opposite. So, um, Is there any chance this could be the bounce back year for Sean Figgins? Sure, there's a chance. You know, sort of in that dumb and dumber, you know, you there's a chance kind of way. <laughs> More like one in a million. Yeah, better than that. But yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still worried about him. That was the dumb and dumber line, Al. More like one in a million. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. And, and number nine is a guy that I did um, kind of neglect yesterday, Lance Lynn. He's up to 34% ownership. I know I picked him up in one league. Um, I wanted him in, the other, in another league. He looked good filling in for Chris Carpenter at Milwaukee. What is Carpenter's timetable? Is this just a short-term thing for Lynn? And even if it is, still might be worth adding him, right? I think Chris Carpenter's timetable is completely up in the air because, you know, we're, we're talking uh, – reduced feeling in the shoulder if he doesn't get that back he's not going to be able to pitch now they're thinking still may some point they're going to have carpenter back so it could very well be a short-term thing for lynn i kind of put lynn in the same category as samarja but samarja gets the is the preferred option for me because you know he's going to have that job all year unless he blows it obviously but it's not like he's going to have to clear the way for somebody better which could happen for lynn yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> yes al what, agrees what, what scott said <laughs> most drop list number nine is ben revere he's now down to 27 percent ownership he's a part-time player right 
That's right. Yeah. And um, the Twins do have enough options uh, and people that they can move around uh, with position flexibility that Revere doesn't stand a really good chance of gaining regular playing time. Are the Twins this bad? They're getting off to pretty bad stuff. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> They're really bad. Well, what's weird is Morneau's hit fine yeah. so far. And uh, Maurer, I, I, I don't really have reason to doubt he's not going to hit well. To doubt. How did I say that? I think Maurer's going well. to hit well. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I'm not really go- ready to say the Twins are that bad. Well, I mean, maybe not that bad, but I just think that the, you know they're. I just think they lack everywhere else. I don't, the pitching's not great, and the, the, pitching the rest isn't of the great. lineup is is not all that good. So I just think that more more Noah Maurer, even at full uh, you know full steam, is just not quite enough. Number eleven on the most drop list, James Loney. 0 for 12 this season. Would you drop James Loney for Juan Rivera, who is first base eligible? Uh, they're pretty much they're in the same category for me. Honestly, I don't uh, I don't see either necessarily hitting 20 home runs. Although I think Rivera, provided he keeps the job, probably has a better chance of doing that. Um, I kind of I kind of lump all three of those guys in as as like last resort options in mixed leagues. They're kind of there with uh, Todd Helton, um, and if I had to rank those three, I would probably go Helton, Rivera, Loney right now. Uh yeah, it's really really close. I guess I like I like Loney a little better because you know you made references that if Rivera keeps the job, I don't think there's really a threat to to Loney's job security. Whereas with Rivera, you know Jerry Sands is a phone call away. So I actually like Loney the best out of that group, but it's really close. Finally, on the most drop list, number thirteen on the list is Bobby Abreu. And if you're wondering why I don't do like number one through eight on the list, it's all injured players, guys like Andrew Bailey. So they don't need to be discussed but Bobby Abreu down to 21% ownership is there any reason to own Bobby Abreu at this point we talked about this a little bit with Vernon Wells struggling uh 21% how does that sound to you not unless well 21% obviously you own them in AL only leagues um because even part-time players are worth owning there but um I think Unless he gets his wish and gets traded and is going to a place where he plays every day, he has zero mixed league appeal. I think he could matter if he does get to play every day because he still walks a lot. That could make a difference in head-to-head leagues. But right now, I don't see much reason to own a Abreu in, in standard leagues. Who's going to get the third base at bats there? How do you see the Angels' situation shaking out? I think uh, I would like to see Trumbo get the at bats, but he's not doing uh he's not doing he's not putting his best foot forward there with all the errors so far and uh Mike Sosha defense is a priority for somebody like him I don't I I have a feeling it's not going to last and that Kayaspo just because he's the other option is going to get most of the starts there uh which would mean probably that Trumbo wouldn't be worth owning in mixed leagues either and, you know, Al and I, neither of us were that high on him to begin with because he's a free-swinging, all-or-nothing type. But uh, that that's pretty much how I see it going. Yeah, I think ultimately they'll find another place for Trumbo to play outfield uh, DH maybe, although I don't know. I mean, it's not really room there either. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think Kayaspo, when it's all said and done, will be playing there more often. To the emails, fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. Put podcasts in the subject line. We start with Kevin in Ottawa, Ontario. 
The following trade offer was proposed, and I need your help, please. I would trade Hanley Ramirez. I would receive Eric Ibar, Corey Lubke, and Johan Santana. My starting pitchers are Josh Johnson, Ricky Romero, Doug Fister, Anibal Sanchez, and Giovanni Gallardo. So trading Hanley for Ibar, Lubke, and Santana. Johan Santana. This is exactly how experienced fantasy owners try and take advantage of new fantasy owners, by making offers like this. In a mixed league, the one stud is going to trump three pretty good players every single time. So keep Hanley. Yeah. And, and you know, the pitching situation here that, that he's trying to upgrade isn't really that bad either. I mean, No, it's good. I mean, Fister's on the DL, but, um, yeah, otherwise pretty solid. Three potential aces there. Mm-hmm. And if you love Anibal Sanchez, then I, I can't call him a potential ace, right? That's too much. I think it's too much. Number two, though, yeah. potentially. Good pitching. From David, our next emailer. With Josh Colmenter's awful spring and the continuation of his awfulness since he was starting against Giants on Sunday, is Trevor Bauer projected to be the next person in line for the Diamondbacks rotation? Is he a better speculative pickup right now than Shelby Miller? Yes, he is. Um, and it's... Be really what he's alluding to here is the opportunity. I think that you know Bauer could be one of the earliest call-ups this year, especially with the way that Colmenter has struggled um, and the lack of upside that, that Colmenter has. St. Louis, uh, you're going to have to have another injury to see Shelby Miller. I knew it was only a matter of time before Colmenter became irrelevant now. I thought it would be... He may have another uh, I surprise thought it would be in last store year. for us, but uh, sooner or later you're going to see Bauer, <laughs> and probably sooner. Okay. Next email. Well, you called me out for not giving my name and location with my email to you last week. My name is Cloyd, most likely the only Cloyd in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> so there it is. No more anonymity for you, Cloyd. 12-team deep league, head-to-head with OPS as a sixth hitting category. Saves plus holds and walks to strikeouts are categories as well. Who gets the better of this trade? Josh Hamilton, Michael Morse, Gio Gonzalez and Jonathan Sanchez for Mark Teixeira, Shinsu Chu, Matt Garza, and Gavin Floyd. It's almost a blockbuster here. Josh Hamilton, Michael Morris, Gio Gonzalez, and Jonathan Sanchez. Or Mark Teixeira, Shinsu Chu, Matt Garza, and Gavin Floyd. Well, you break it down player for player, and it's, it's pretty even. I think Mark Teixeira is slightly better than Josh Hamilton. Shinsu Chu slightly better than Morse just because Morse is dealing with this injury at the beginning of the season. Garza slightly better than Gio Gonzalez. They're all pretty much in the, in the same tiers for me, but because there's the slight, uh, the, the Teixeira side of the deal is getting the slightly better end on those top three players. That's the side of the deal I want. And is Lance Lynn worth a roster spot in this 12-team league? Well, rewind. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> we just talked about him, and yes, uh, he, could, he could very well be. Sean in Idaho, our last email t- for today. I have a closer setup pitcher question. 12-team head-to-head keeper league. We do not count holds. <clears throat> uh, my closers are Sergio Santos, Alfredo Aceves, and Matt Thornton. Thornton's an eighth-inning guy. Would you keep Thornton in hopes that he might become the Chai Sox closer, or would you drop him to pick up a good setup guy or a guy who could become a closer like David Robinson, Joel Peralta, or Addison Reed? Yeah, I think I would drop Thornton for Peralta because I do not trust Fernando Rodney at all. Um, I think Peralta will get some saves, uh, and I'm much more hopeful for that than for Matt Thornton. Yeah, no, I 
I actually am pretty optimistic Hector, Hector Santiago is, is going to do a good job as White Sox closer. So I, And even if he doesn't, I think they'd be more likely to go to somebody like Addison Reed than Thornton anyway because they like Thornton so much in the setup role. Uh, so, yeah, Peralta's the guy to own there. Fantasy Baseball 360, 5 o'clock Eastern, CBSSports.com, live on the websites. Check it out and send us an email at fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cbsportsfantasybaseball. For Al Melchior and Scott White, I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you tomorrow.